Ultimately, we believe forgiveness like that level is supernatural. It becomes, it goes far beyond the people that are involved. It becomes an example to all of us, right? It becomes something yeah. that all of us turn our head. We're like, what just happened there? Like, that's not, that's not normal. Welcome to Switching Lenses, a podcast that takes current issues and events within the culture and defends the Christian position from an apologetical and biblical lens. Now, here are your hosts, Shane Skirvin and Josh Phillips. Welcome everyone to another episode of Switching Lenses. Shane, we're in the concluding episode of our series called The Profundity of Forgiveness. To this point, we have talked about it in our first episode about what unforgiveness looks like and the disastrous effects that it has on the society around us and also those who harbor such unforgiveness. In our second episode, we went <laughs> we a bit long in that one, but we talked about biblical, biblical forgiveness and it was very important, I think, to spend this, the time that we did because it was such, uh, such a necessary topic to discuss. It has so much to say. But here we are, we find ourselves in this third episode. We're gonna say, how do we apply forgiveness? in this culture that we find ourselves in because there does seem to be a troublesome view brewing amidst our culture. I mean, there does seem to be a troublesome view brewing, doesn't there? Yes. Right? We find ourselves in this culture. It's been given the title cancel culture. Right, which is this idea of if we don't like something about you, or maybe we find something in your past, then we'll destroy your livelihood, we'll destroy your career, we'll destroy your personal life, we're gonna come after you. And this has been, man, would you say this? I feel like it's kind of been brewing in the last, would you say like two years, maybe? Yeah. yeah. At least at its peak. Yeah. I was just gonna say it's it's ironic because I mean, you have people before that that say they don't believe in a God. They're suddenly setting up a brutal, moralistic God that wants to crush you. I mean, it's 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 kind of something I never saw. I mean, I mean, what do you think, Josh? I mean, it's something it's something I never saw coming. I mean, this is something yeah. that's a storm that's brewed that's is sweeping across our nation. You know, it's funny. You know, I was I was just kind of throwing. I was just kind of thinking out there, like, was it two years? Like, is that what it seems like? You know, it's funny. Our first episode, we talked about this, really, which is almost two two years ago. Oh. We were talking about um, the the Supreme Court trial, not trial, but the the hearings. Uh, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, yeah, the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, and we 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 were referencing that, and that was you know that was an attempt to find something against this guy and ruin him. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was probably the major, the first major case where we really saw that brought to the forefront yeah, and the cancel culture really in full force. And it's really, it's been ever, ever since then. Right. Well, well, I can't remember was all the, the Hollywood executives and the actors and actresses, was that before or after that? I don't uh, know. No, I think, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, but me too. It was definitely the me too. I feel like it was before. Yeah. It's definitely um, part of that. It's definitely part of that, the setting for cancel culture. Yeah. So maybe it's been a little longer than two years. But uh, yeah, that's that's what I noticed. Like that that was like in full force. Like, yeah. whoa, like we're just and 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 again, like I think we preface this in the episode. There were some people that did some terrible things. Yes. Yeah. And 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 justly so we should take them 
give him their chance in court and yeah there should be consequences yeah. for uh terrible yes. things yeah yeah we we there were some cases not to get too deep into this there were some accusations made that we really weren't sure whether or not they were true and it yeah. seemed like we just kind of skipped past that and said let's just destroy the person anyways yeah so uh yeah, this is this is really dangerous it's very very dangerous Shane in a culture like this if this becomes the prevailing standard what is the inevitable outcome of a cancel culture? You know, I the only thing I can see when I just look at cancel culture, I see a crushing culture. I mean, I just see something that just breaks and devours. And uh, in the words of former President Obama, cancel culture is a circular firing squad. No one's left standing. You know, and, and that's, yeah, that, I mean, that I think that's wow. a great quote that encapsulates. That is a great quote. Yeah, encapsulates, you know, you cannot move forward. When, you know, what, what does uh, Jesus say? A divided house cannot stand and cancel mm-hmm. culture brings a divided house. And it, in, in, and it just begs because no one can stand cancel culture also begets a hypocrisy, right? You don't have a spirit of forgiveness and humility. And so at worst, you're killing everyone at best, everyone's lying and hiding. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did, that's what I see. Yeah. For me, it's like, even if you're on the I say the right side of the cancel culture. Uh, maybe this, it feels weird. Right sort of implies maybe for morality for some, it's not really what I mean. If you're on the safe side, it's really what I'm saying. When you're not under the spotlight, you're not being accused of something. Don't you sort of feel uneasy and like, oh my gosh, I hope my skeletons don't come yeah, out of my closet. looking over the shoulder, right? I, I, I heard a lady say she outed a guy for some, some impasse in the cancel culture and he lost his livelihood, lost his friends, got rolled. And she said a year later, someone did it to her. And she was like, oh, this is what that feels like. Yeah. Yeah. I think I mentioned this before, but like, I'm so happy that my teenage years <laughs> did not take place during social, when social networking was a thing, especially yeah, before I got saved. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to talk about it here, but I mean, I remember some things that I said, some things that I wrote. That I was like, if I if that had been posted in any sh- way, shape, or form, like digital, have it leaving a digital imprint forever. Oh my gosh, like that, I, there could be stuff dug up about me. And and again, and the crazy thing about this, and this this is what we're talking about. It's like speaking the fate, how destructive this is, and how wrong it is. It's like I've changed since then. Like that was that was such a different me. That was before I found Christ. I mean, like that was that was it was, it was night and day. And so, yeah, like it's. Like you said, it's it's a crushing culture. I like that. It really did, is. I mean, and, it, and, you, and it really, it's not that you're ever really safe from it, that you're above the cancel culture. You just hope that the the sights, the little target, the crosshair never, never lands on you. That's really all you're hoping. Because if your skeletons come out, you know, you know there's something there that people can hold against you. We've all fallen, haven't we? Yo, We're all guilty. A cancel culture creates a hypocrisy. It creates a lying culture. It, it absolutely does. And see, it's, it's, it's devoid of forgiveness pretty for the most part, right? I mean, yes. I'm going to throw it a little bone there, but may, maybe there's some forgiveness. I, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you, but um, it's certainly devoid very much of it's, really any It's more based I, I on a secular version of karma. It's this idea you're going to pay for your sins yeah, to the full. Exactly. Yeah. So this kind of culture, like you said, it's going to crush us. We have to have forgiveness. We have to have... Forgiveness injected into our culture, into our into our being, or else it's going to crush us. And so 
what we really need to do, I think, and I was kind of speaking to this a second ago, in order to really have forgiveness, I think really play a pivotal role and a necessary role in our society. I think the first step for us is we have to recognize the wrongdoing in our own lives. Just like I was saying, you know, I've made mistakes, you know, and so I, I can recognize that I don't want those plastered everywhere and all this. I, I can't hold somebody. I can't cancel somebody like that. I can't, I can't just go crush everybody. You know, I've messed up too. We've all messed up. I think we have to recognize that first. I think that's the first step in being able to actually forgive people is that we can recognize the wrongdoing. That's going to make forgiveness much easier, isn't it? If I, if I, if I'm, if I'm really trying to avoid being a hypocrite and I say, well, you know what? I've messed up before. That's going to make it a lot easier than if I think I am up on this pedestal and I'm this great person and you know, they wronged me. How dare them wrong me? I can't believe they did that. Right. We're going to get up on our high horse and it's going to be really hard to forgive somebody. But if we can have that kind of humility and recognize the wrongs, I think that's, that's key. Uh, you know what? I, I, I got to throw one else that uh, a spontaneous quote. Um, when you talk about that, it just, I just, I look at that. You're talking about the, the, the self-righteousness being heavy to carry, the humility being the key to forgiveness. It makes me think of that G.K. Chesterton quote, that angels fly because they take themselves not so seriously. And that's why humans are tied to the earth. You know, this, uh, you know, I, lo- I love that quote because um, it makes me makes me think of that. And yes. So but the quote that I wanted to mention, and I think is a great quote, it's about a man who was in the good, like you said, was on the on the safe side of a cancel culture in this in the Soviet Union during the Stalin days. But then he he made a mistake, a small mistake but it led to a terrible consequence. He criticized Joseph Stalin in a personal letter, but a censor that opened all the mail caught it. And then he went to the gulag, the, the Soviet prison camps in, yeah, yeah, in Siberia. And he said he, he learned something there when in, in these terrible camps when he was being tortured and abused in these prisons. And he said, quote, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, not through classes, nor between political parties, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. This line shifts, and even within hearts overwhelmed by evil, one small bridgehead of good is retained, unquote. And so I, I love the humility in the, the insight of that quote. You know, it's, it's this idea, you know, that like Josh, like you mentioned, with this, this humble recognition that, you know what? There, uh, for the grace of God, there go I. You know, it's this idea that you can identify with the person that has fallen. And uh, there's another great G. Chesterton quote about with the doctrine of original sin, that sin is a condition that affects us all. He said, it's the only way that you can pity the beggar and distrust the king, because that human nature is what binds us together, that fallen human nature that we're all liable to mess up, right? That we all need forgiveness. That no one right. has a, you know, no one has any kind of claim to perfection. So yes, I think that is a great and awesome insight, that humility, that 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 recognition for forgiveness, the need for it. Right. I, I mean, yeah, that was, I would say that's our first key to forgiveness. So we've yeah. got to recognize that humility. I think the second key to that, the follow-up is living our lives like Ephesians 6, 12 is true. And if you're not familiar with Ephesians 6, 12, what it says is, for we do not wrestle 
against flesh and blood. Okay, we do not wrestle against humanity, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. I think that's absolutely integral. We, we have to view conflict, I think, in those terms. There's a book called The Calling of the American Mind. I'm going to be now, truth be told, I haven't read the book, um, but I've heard a lot of people talk about it. And again, I'm not going to get into the specifics of it because, like I said, I haven't read it, but I have, from what I've heard, they talk about these three great untruths. And again, these guys, as far as I know, are not Christians, right, Shane? No, I don't, no, I don't they're believe not. they are. No, they're uh, secular okay. professors. Okay, so these, are, these aren't even Christians that are saying this. But they have these three great untruths. And their third one that they have in there, which I think is pretty interesting, is relating to this, is the untruth of, they call it the untruth of us versus them. That life is a battle between good people and evil people. Now, we're talking about cancel culture. We're talking about this prevailing culture we see today. This seems to be running rampant through the culture, right? That if somebody I disagree with or is different than me, that they're evil people, right? Yeah. Demonize and, them and kill them. Right. And that's the thing is, and that's a dangerous part about that is if I see somebody as evil, I mean, everybody's different. But certain people have certain standards to what's okay to do and what's not okay to do to somebody who's evil, namely the okay to do. If you're evil to some people, I can wipe you from this earth because I'm trying to rid this earth of evil. So if we we want to restate that a little bit, uh, that's what that's saying. If there's somebody that possibly thinks differently than me, it's okay to take them out because they're evil. And it's my job to... or. I'm one of many whose job is to purge evil from this earth, or at least my perception of it, at least. This is a very anti-biblical, anti-Christian idea. It's the complete opposite, right? How about anti-human also? I mean, just all the way down. Yeah, so I, it sort of it makes me ask the question here, you know, why do you think, Jane, today people have so much hostility towards people who think differently than them? You know, it, it reminds me of the proverb, the biblical proverb, that how can two walk together unless they agree? And, you know, you, you, you start seeing, I can't be, I can't walk with these people. I can't do life with them. And so you start and you take it from there. And rather rather than stop, stopping it there, it, it progresses, you know, rather than it be that they're not part of your community or you don't share a worldview with them, but you, you don't see them as um, good, productive citizens or people that you can live in the same town with. You start It starts devolving down to the point where you think your physical safety could be at some, uh, at some point in danger, right? I mean, you, see, you start right. seeing them as, a, as literally an enemy and a threat, you know, rather than say, okay, these are, aren't, these are people I may have a disagree with, but I can still be in community with them in the context of living in the same area. And I, I don't feel like I'm going to be at some point, you know, I don't feel like that, you know, I don't feel like they're going to become a danger to me, you know, and, and it makes me think of, I haven't finished the coddling of the American mind, but it, it makes me think of that idea. One of the truths that they talk about is how that free speech can lead to hate speech and hate speech can lead to actual pain and hurt that it leads to like a physical damage, you know, uh, speech, right. you, speech you don't like that. And the one, the professors really push back on that idea that speech is harmful to you, that it damages your body and your mind, because they said the whole idea behind college is a free exchange of ideas, right? 
and, and right. certain ideas. Well, originally, yes. yeah, yeah, that's the idea. And so, but if you're trying to ban speech as saying it's harmful, then you know you're 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 obviously moving in a spirit that didn't create the universities, right? This is something new right. that is is blowing through. Like as you talked about, it's something. Uh, it's a different kind of storm that's brewing. And so, you know, it lead from it goes from that point, and it leads all the point of alienation, even to the point of physical safety, right, Josh? I mean, it leads you right. to a point of conflict. That's what I think is sort of undergirds all this. Is I think people they hear differing opinions, they th- I th- I think it's kind of a straw man kind of idea where they think that if these people are allowed to do this, then you know, it's, it's going to grow to this and they're going to get into power. And then I'm going to somehow be threatened in some way. I mean, I, I, again, I, I think it, you, you could say maybe it's, they think they may have some sort of verbal assault, but I think you really, when you really get down to it, I think people think their physical safety will be in jeopardy that maybe the standard that they're holding against other people will be held against them. Maybe that's what it is too. But yeah, I agree. I think, I think, I think people have a, a great fear, a great fear that people who think differently of them is, threatens them in a very deep and profound way. I remember this makes me think of a story, a talking to a young woman who I was in community with, and she was totally convinced that because of the election of a certain pop- politician, that her, she would be in danger of physical violence, her and her son, when they went to the store. And I remember wow. being just shocked. Yeah, I, I just, I, I never saw the implications of that view just right in front of me before. So Shane, let me tell you this. Let me kind of shoot you a scenario. Let's say, let's say somebody commits like a terrible act against you, right? Just something that just a really brutal act. Now you can fill in the blank here. I'm not sure. Maybe a brutal assault. Maybe they said something really, truly horrible about your family. I mean, like it was just extremely malicious, right? Mm-hmm. And it was, and it was painfully obvious. They, they, even they knew what they did. They should, they knew what they, they knew what they did. It was wrong. They aren't blind to that. Okay. If you could face that individual and look them in the eye and tell them, like, despite the pain that they've caused you, I, I, I forgive you. Like, what kind of effect could that have on somebody? Like just a sheer shock and maybe even the recognition of the, of their shame. What, like what, what? What kind of effect could occur right there if you were able to forgive somebody in a fashion like that? You know, it, it reminds me of like if you throw like a, a huge rock in a steel pond, how even though there's the point of impact, you know, you see the uh, waves going out. It It's because it's so out of the ordinary and because it's a ultimately we believe uh, forgiveness like that level is supernatural. It becomes it goes far beyond the people that are involved. It becomes an example to all of us, right? It becomes something that all of us turn our head. We're like, what just happened there? Like, that's not, that's not normal. What's normal is what happens every day. What just happened doesn't happen every day. It becomes something that, that just becomes a shining example, right? Uh, Of something, something extraordinary. You know, I think one good example of this was a story that happened last year in 2019. You know, we were talking about this. <clears throat> if I pronounce his name correctly, it's Brant Jean, I believe is his last name. I don't think it's John. I think it's Jean. Jean. And he was the one where his brother was killed by a police officer, Amber Geiger. And 
he goes up on the witness stand or in the trial. We, know we, talk, we talked about this on a previous episode. Uh, man, just an amazing story. The guy just, I don't know how to describe it, just outward, utter, pure forgiveness offered. Says, well, not only just forgiveness, but like he actually wanted, like, he wanted good things for her. Like he wanted to go give her a hug right there. And like it, it broke her. It absolutely broke her. And again, if you didn't know the story, like that was the one right where she thought she was in her apartment, but she was actually in this other guy, this uh, Botham was his name, Botham Jean. She walks into his apartment thinking it's hers. She thinks somebody's in her apartment, like robbing or not supposed to be there. And she pulls a gun and shoots him. So this guy was absolutely (laughs) killed. I mean, he was totally innocent. She was 100% in the wrong. And, you know, this guy, Gene, he had his brother stolen from him, essentially. And to get up there in that stand, you know, and he's got cameras on him and everything. And to just uh, offer absolute pure, like I said, pure forgiveness to her. Man, that story should have been plastered all over all the news news websites, television, all that stuff. I wish it had got a little, I mean, it it got a decent amount of attention, but I really wish... You know, those kind of good stories, man. We need those kind of good stories. Well, uh, you know, and I remember people criticizing him for that, saying you shouldn't have forgave her. I'm yeah, sure. I, I'm I, sure. I, I mean, the, the, the tough situation. Yeah. I mean, I get his brother was wrongfully taken from him. He didn't even do, he didn't do anything. He yeah. did nothing. Yeah. You know, we, we've, we've had some situations where we're seeing a lot of unrest right now where, you know, we have people that were being stopped by police officers, you know, for doing something they, they weren't supposed to be doing. You know, and we won't, we won't bring priors into it, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, at least in those situations, the police was there for, at least they were present for a reason. You know, but this guy was just completely wronged. Yeah. I mean, he's completely innocent, nothing. And forgiveness was offered. It's such a beautiful picture. Yeah. Hard to do. I don't know if I could do it. I, I hope I could, but that was, I really hope I could. Yeah, it's definitely beautiful though, right? Honest. I mean, it's something that's just yeah. incredible. For sure, for sure. So kind of while we're talking about it, you know, like this, let's just get into the heart of why we're doing this whole episode, right? As we open this episode from back, from, excuse me, from the series of an episode one, we were sort of setting the stage, kind of what we're seeing. We see a, there's a lot of, and let's, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to ignore the elephant in the room. You know, a lot of what we see right now, we see a lot of racial tension out there. I mean, we're seeing cities being burnt, people's shops being destroyed. We're having... Um, political posturing. We have people taking to social networking, you know, taking a side, saying one thing or another. I mean, we've, it's, we've got a big mess on our hands. I would like to start by saying this, because I, I do kind of want to speak to all this. First off, Shane, we, I think it's important that we say, you know, that we may not know exactly what people are going through. We're not claiming to know what people go through, Right. Yes. Okay. Right. And all this, if we're if we're speaking to some of the racial tension we're seeing, you know, I haven't lived some of the lives that people that are that have been experienced um, racial slurs and racial slanders and being told like you're devalued and you're not as as valuable as somebody else. Like I I haven't experienced that, so I'm not going to try to pretend that I know what they're going through because I don't. I haven't. I haven't. I've never experienced that. So I want to make that perfectly clear. Right. I think I think we both we both do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I do think it's important and to sympathize with someone's anger and hurt. 
But we have to we have to recognize the impending downward spiral of retaliation and the poisonous venom of bitterness. I mean, I think what we're seeing right now, we've we've got a lot of angry people, and I get it. Like some people have been through some some, some wrong. They've had wrong being done to them. Right. And what we're seeing right now, I think, is sort of an like a backlash. Like, you know what? This is for the time that person said da-da-da to me, that I wasn't worth anything, that they were better off and their their race was better than mine, and da-da-da-da. Like, I get that. But like we talked about in the first episode, retaliation is not gonna make the situation better. Like we we have to have this idea of forgiveness. Shane, you had a story that you wanted to share. Oh, from, I, an, from, an, from an Amish community, right? Yeah, yeah. And one thing, so you were talking about Brant Jean's um, story, kind of highlighting that for you. And I remember for, for me, although, I mean, who, who wasn't amazed by that video of, like you said, the, oh, the yeah. hug in the courthouse? That was amazing. But one that also spoke to me was, I remember in 06, there was a shooting at an Amish school where a guy went in and shot, gosh, I I think it was eight girls there, young okay. girls between the ages of six and 13. And wow. yeah, and just came in there un- unprovoked, you know, shot them and five of them died. And then he killed himself and Amish community. It was absolutely amazing. They responded by uh, just forget, you know, forgiving him for doing that. They reached out to his family. So, cause the man who did it, he had a, a wife and three kids they, they, at his funeral, the guy that shot the girls, at his funeral, there was more Amish people there than there wow. for him. And they embraced and hugged. There's a famous um, incident where the Amish actually embraced his father and comforted his father, the father of the man who shot. They reached out and embraced the wife and his own kids and, 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 and to see, to make sure that they were okay. I mean, it was just, and then you know what they did, Josh, also, besides forgiving after they buried their girls, they immediately demolished that schoolhouse and rebuilt a new schoolhouse called New Hope. Hmm. And so just to see the way that community responded in the forgiveness and reaching out even to the family of the guy who did that crime, the perpetrator, um, it's completely values that are different from the natural world or from what it's ever came before Christianity. And, and, and that's in, in, indisputable. The book Dominion by the secular author Tom Holland um, speaks about that. He said these values of Christianity, these values of forgiveness, he said these are not Greco-Roman values. Th- these weren't the values that were before. This is something new on the face of the earth. It, what was brought by Christ's teaching and his example of, of forgiveness. So yeah, it is, uh, is absolutely, I'm passionate about it because I think it's, like you said, Josh, not only does it meet and exceed the challenges of our day and what's happening, it's much bigger than even that. I mean, this is something every individual person needs. They need before other people. They ultimately need it before God. You know, every culture to 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 survive has to have forgiveness. I mean, it it is something that it's it's true for the individual person as well as whole cultures or societies. So yeah, it is it is absolutely extraordinary. Seeing what the Amish community did, seeing what the family of uh, what was the the guy that was shot? What was his name? Uh, Botham. Botham. Jean. Yeah, Botham Jean. Seeing what his family did, I mean, it's absolutely extraordinary. And and those are the radical examples. But you know what? Forgiveness yeah. happens 
every day at this small, true. yeah, at the small scale. And yeah, it's absolutely life-changing. I, I know in my own life, it absolutely kept, I was a petty, jealous, grudge-holding person. And this radical forgiveness that Jesus taught, I mean, it completely changed my life. And it enriched, it brings an enrichment to life. Uh, it allows you to move through life also not carrying heavy burdens, right? Like, like Jesus said, it's a, it's a debt, right? He, he uses very graphically, he uses the language of finances, right? He talks about mm-hmm. it's incurring a debt. That's, that's the language Jesus used in describing forgiveness. And so uh, who wants to carry that, right? I mean, by definition, no one wants to be in debt and carrying heavy burdens. So yeah, I, I'm passionate about it. I think it's I think it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and there's there's such a power. Like you just telling that story, like there, there's such a power behind forgiveness. When you see radical forgiveness like that, like there's there's something there. And I I feel like it's sort of like a like a check mark, like, yeah, this, this right here. Yeah, that right there. That kind of radical forgiveness. There's something to that that I that I need and is life giving. Because like you said, to go the other direction with it. It's, it's going to be, it's utter destruction, a society that's going to keep just retaliating, holding grudges and always f- fighting back and trying to settle the score. It's just going to destroy itself. And I think that's kind of the fear that we would have with what we're seeing today is if we can't have forgiveness, if we can't forgive each other for wrongs that have been done, we're just going to destroy each other and it's not going to end well. I kind of like to close this episode and close this series with a scripture reading from Ephesians 4, 31-32. And it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And I think it's a good way to put it, to end this. You know, we're all forgiven. We've all messed up. But Christ's forgiveness is available to all of us. The innocent one died for us on the cross and gave us the greatest gift we could possibly have. And that's the forgiveness of all the wrongdoing that we've done. And it's, again, it's the most amazing gift anybody could ever receive. And anybody can receive that, like I said. So, well, Shane, we're going to wrap this up here. Everybody can always mention, or you can always email the show at feedback at switchinglensespodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter at switchlensespod. And you can always find all of our content on switchinglensespodcast.com. Shane, it was a great series. I love it. <laughs> it is, this uh, is a big topic. Yeah. We were both passionate about this. We we're like, yes, this is we need to talk about this. This is the perfect follow-up to the justice series because this is the next step. After we talk about what justice is, forgiveness is the next step. So thanks for joining me with us. I really I appreciate your insight as always. No problem. I love talking about forgiveness. All right. And guys, we will see you next time.